0: Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If there were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Be with me. That you will also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to, the, said to him, "Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can you know the way? How can we know the way?" Jesus answered, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. For now, from now on, you do know you do know him and have seen him." Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father." and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Do you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans... I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands to obey them, uh, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who lives, who loves me. Sorry. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He does not love me. Uh, He who does not love me will not obey. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming." He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave.
1: Would you thank Liana, please. <clears throat> Father, thank you that we can be together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, may you enlighten us by your Spirit about what the implications are for us as we seek to follow him. Help us to do that well and to do that so that we reflect him just as he was gracious and clear and accepting. So may we as his followers duplicate that in this pretty broken, fallen world. Lord, shape us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Everybody said... This morning I spoke about, so let me give a very quick recap of the front 12 verses or so, that Jesus' disciples are troubled after the triumph of riding into Jerusalem and they all think this is it, the kingdom is coming. They are now absolutely devastated, they're shocked, they're scared, they're anxious because Jesus keeps talking about he's leaving, he's departing, he's going to be arrested, someone's going to betray him, Peter's going to deny him. What's going on? It's like three years of their life has been invested and it's now all coming to an end. And so Jesus speaks into this pretty anxious situation and he speaks to them um, after Judas has left and he says to them in the front 10, 12 verses of chapter 14, verse 1, believe in me. That's command number one. And that's certainly the purpose of John's gospel that we are to, uh, he wrote the gospel so that we could come to a point of understanding who Jesus is so that we could trust him. secondly jesus says uh, i'm leaving i'm going to my father's house and in my father's house there are many rooms i'm going to prepare a place for you if you believe in me there is a place and a room reserved for you not only am i going away i will also return jesus says and i will receive you i will take you to be with me so that you and i can be together forever jesus and god are very committed to relationships and when will Jesus return? Well, ultimately it's going to be at his second coming. But I think there's a, another return where he receives us if we die before that second coming. He receives us at death, Acts chapter 7, as he did with Stephen. Jesus declares that he is the exclusive way to the Father. There is no other way into heaven. It's not by being religious, not by being sincere, it's not by being good, it's not by any of those other ways. It's by him. It's by us understanding that because we have fallen short and we are under God's um, judgment we're under the penalty for the things that we have done wrong for the things we've neglected to do that are, that are right for the words that we've uttered which are cruel and damaging we are accountable and we can't write it but God out of his concern for us has sent Jesus to pay the penalty for all of this stuff that we've done for all of our sin and that if we understand that and we say okay I want Jesus to be in my place he takes my penalty and I take his pardon uh, I receive that forgiveness through him. It's exclusive and it's only through Jesus. And it's as easy as that, just asking God, I messed up, please forgive me. I accept and submit to Jesus. <laughs> and then Jesus declares that um, he is the father, the one's house whom, to whom we're going to be living, is exactly like him. So if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know God's attitude to people, then look at Jesus. On this issue for us of uh, how do you you speak to people who uh, have same-sex attraction? Well, how would Jesus do it? And think that through and look for examples in the scriptures. How did Jesus deal with the woman caught in adultery? How did he deal with that? And there are lessons there for us to learn and to appropriate. And now, after that, he goes on in the second half of the chapter, Our tonight's focus, and he basically says, after I go and before I return, in the gap, in the meantime, here are five consequences, five implications that if you believe in me, if you follow me, then verse 12, I expect you to get on with a job. I expect you to be a worker. There are works that you will do. If you believe in me, then um, Jesus says, um, what I've been doing, you will continue to do. And not only that, you'll do greater things, greater things than what he's been doing because I go to the Father. Secondly, he says, if you believe in me, then I expect that you'll be a person who prays. I will hear your prayers and I will answer your prayers. And he gives this broad open promise of whatever you ask, anything you ask, I'll do it. But there are two conditions attached to it when you read it carefully. Um, Thirdly, Jesus says, uh, if you believe in me and you're following me, then if you love me, then I expect you to be obedient. You'll obey my commands. Um, And if you do, then you'll be blessed. You'll have this experience of God's nearness in your life he says three times in this chapter <clears throat> number four um i'm going away but i'm going to send you uh, my double i'm going to send you the holy spirit he's just like me he's not me but he's just like me and i'm not the father but i'm just like the father and we three are one and we are very similar in our characters and attributes but we are dis- distinct we are three separate persons but one divine being and this holy spirit who will come as a person and he will teach you and he will remind you of all the things that I said. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will take the Word of God to teach the child of God how to become like Jesus. And then fifthly, Jesus says, trouble is coming. You know, not just now in the media, I'm going to be arrested and tried and crucified. But even after that, they're going to hate you and persecute you. But my peace, I leave you a gift, my peace. That experience I had in the midst of life, storms and anguish and turmoil, this inner calm that I have, I bequeath to you, I give to you. And Jesus promises that to us. It's available to us if we trust him, even in the midst of difficulty. So they're the five quick things. Let me address them very, very quickly. Um, uh, Jesus expects us that if we believe in him, that we'll be people who will do things. James says it very clearly, and he's the one we usually quote, that belief leads to works, that faith without works is dead. Faith in Jesus is demonstrated in a change of life, in a change of expressions, in a change of attitudes, and in change of conduct. It's not instant, it's a process. Sometimes, for some people, there are some things which are instant. <clears throat> for most of us, uh, it's a process, a process of growth and of change, just like a, a little baby learning to walk. It's, they crawl, and then they stumble, and then they walk, and then they can run. And then they get their back out and then because they're lazy and they slouch and it's a process the amazing thing jesus says not only do i expect this work will go on it won't stop because i have gone but he says he will do even greater things than these how could we possibly do greater things than what jesus did raise the dead heal the blind the lepers the lame well he's not talking about greater in terms of you're going to do greater miracles He's talking about a much greater work, a much more significant work than that. Because as significant as, or inspiring as those miracles were, they weren't the greatest as far as God was concerned. The greatest miracle to God is a changed life. A person transformed from a sinner to a saint, from a person who was a rebel against God to a person who was a follower of Jesus. That's the greatest miracle. And that's what Jesus is definitely referring to. Uh, While the miracles do continue, and God still performs miracles today... And he does it through all sorts of ways. Lloyd would be the recipient of God's work in his life through medication. Still God at work. Doctors can't heal. God is the healer. But God is pleased to use doctors and we are grateful when he does. But the greater works are spiritual. Jesus is saying, you're going to have a much more spiritual impact and influence in a much bigger geographical area than I ever did. Jesus, as I said this morning, Jesus never preached a sermon where 3,000 people became followers in one day. Peter did because Jesus had gone to father and the spirit had been poured out greater things are going to happen Jesus never preached outside Palestine Israel not very far outside of it anyway today his name is preached in nearly every country around the world and every continent greater influence much more is happening on Sunday this day this Sunday than ever happened on a Sunday in Jesus' lifetime greater things have been happening just what Jesus said is happening. So if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, he's expecting you to join the mission, to be on target, to join him in what he is doing in the world. He expects to be able to work through you. So if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus here tonight, how's that going? Are you a worker for him? Well, those works for him also link in and flow out of these other four things? If we pray in his name, if we're obedient to his commands, if we're relying on the Holy Spirit, if we're living closely with him, then... Works will flow out of us in terms of our life being changed. And as we do so, as he lives and reigns in us, he works through us. Number one, Jesus expects to work through us. Number two, Jesus expects us to be people who pray and to pray in his name. It's a remarkable promise. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may be in glory to the Father. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Anything, whatever. Nothing is excluded. But there are two conditions. Note them. Number one, for the Father's glory. It's not just asking for anything or whatever that we want or that's for our convenience or that's for our comfort, but it's what will bring glory to God. And so you probably do too. I often find myself in my praying of saying, Lord, I know this is what you want to do, this is your will. And I think this will bring glory to you, so I'm asking for it in Jesus' name. It doesn't guarantee it, because I'm not infallible in terms of my understanding, but that's the first condition. Is it for the Father's glory? Secondly, is it in my name, in Jesus' name? It's not a a formula or a magic phrase at the end that we often use, you know, and I pray this in the name of Jesus, tagged on at the end. That's not what it means. It's appropriate to do that, and it's a good reminder. But what it means is, that I am asking as if it was Jesus asking. I'm asking according to Jesus' will. I'm asking in his name. I'm representing him. So a good thing to ask before you pray for anything is, Lord, what do you want to do? Don't have time to go into it, but when you read James chapter 5, you know when somebody is sick and they call for the elders of the church? That's exactly the process the elders are to go through. They are to first ask the question, Lord, what are you going to do? Are you going to heal Or are you not going to heal? And the elders, in discerning God's will, then pray in his name. And the prayer offered in faith, based upon what they understand God to have revealed to them, is going to result in healing or in resurrection, one or the other. What is God's will? And I remember praying for Lloyd. And I know many in the church have done so. And what what God impressed on my heart is that I fully expected God to heal Lloyd. There are other people in the church that I have prayed for and I don't have the same sense that God is going to heal, that he's going to remove the cancer. Why? I don't know. That's up to God. He has his own purposes. But we are to pray in his name. I know a 15 year old student in high school who has cancer, has chemotherapy and the result of the chemotherapy is the cancer has not shrunk and it hasn't gone, it's in fact increased. 15 years old. Why? Don't know. But I know my Heavenly Father is loving, kind, wise, and powerful. And I know He has a purpose, and I trust Him. So I pray in submissively, in Jesus' name. That's what Jesus is saying. If you follow me, then I expect you to do that. I love this comment that when we pray in Jesus' name, we pray according to God's glory. That's the two lines of signing across the check of our prayer that we send to heaven, that Jesus Himself will sign. When those two things are in place, In his name, for the Father's glory, Jesus won't have any trouble signing it and granting it. Jesus expects us, if we follow him, to be workers, to be doers and to be prayers. How's your prayer life? Number three, Jesus expects us to be obedient. Three times, in fact, four times in this chapter. Verse 15, verse 21, verse 23, it's all positive. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll do what I command. And once negatively, verse 24... It's those who don't love me who will not do what I command. Obedience, the evidence that we love Jesus, not feeling gooey, it's not feeling warm inside, it's this committed, loyal, self-sacrificial, seeking to please him. They're the ones who love Jesus. So, if we're going to do that, then we need to have his commands. His commands are in the Scriptures, in the Word of God, so we need to be reading it. And then when we read them, we need to be doing them. We need to be committed to not picking and choosing but we need to be saying, Lord, what you say is what I'll do. <clears throat> and it's a wrestle, isn't it? Because the reality is none of us are 100% obedient, myself included. But Jesus is not asking for perfection because he knows we can't do that. He is asking, though, for direction. There's a remarkable verse in John chapter 17, verse 6. When Jesus is praying, he prays and he says, These disciples, they have kept your word. They have kept your word. This ragtag of eleven. The ones who were whinging and complaining about who was the greatest and doing everything else, they were stuffing up all the time. And Jesus praised, they have kept your word. You see, it's not about perfection. It's about direction. Which way are you orientated? I have a deep, deep desire in my heart that I want to obey Jesus. I want to please him. I want to seek him. That's what I want to do. I stumble and I mess up and I don't always do it, but that's still the intention of my heart. Which way are you facing? I want to do that? Or you want to go do your own thing? That's what Jesus means. Um, And of course, we'll never attain full perfection. But that's the goal. That's what we're to strive for. We'll never be completely 100% physically fit. But that's the goal we should be striving for. Make sense? Jesus says that if we are following him, he expects us to obey him. And here is a whole sermon in itself He gives the results, if we are a people who are obedient to him, number one, the Father will love us, verse 21. Also in verse 21, Jesus will reveal himself to us, and in verse 23, the Father and the Son will come and will make their home in us. If we are obedient, there is this reward, this consequence of close intimacy with the Father and with the Son. Do you want to know God closely? Be obedient. Figure out where you're not being obedient and repent and start doing it. Clean out your dirty laundry. Get rid of the you know, the wrong things in your life. Work away at it. Chip away at it. Say no to the fleeting pleasures of sin, which just come all the time. Say no. It's best you can. And strive for a clear sense of, I want to do what pleases God. And he'll meet with you and he'll bless you. God walks with those who love him, who obey him, who choose him. I love the story of Enoch, the guy who walked with God and he was not, for God took him. And nobody knows what happened but I love to think like some old preacher, some old commentator once said, Enoch at the age of 365 is out one day walking with God and they walk so far together that eventually God said, listen, we're over halfway, you might as well come on home to my place and they went home together. I like that idea. Just walking with God, being caught up in his presence and loving him. It's the best way to live because we're made in his image and that's how we're supposed to live. Number four, Jesus expects us if we are followers of his that we will um, relate to, that we'll respond to, that we'll be listening and learning from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus says he's going to send another counsellor, <clears throat> another, another one of exactly the same sort. Um, if if I had an ice cream and I'm, well no, I've got a bottle of water, Frentel, three hundred and fifty mil, and I have finished it, and I want another glass. I want another bottle of water. I can either get another one which is exactly the same, Frentel, three hundred and fifty mil, Woolworths, three fifty, whatever, exactly the same. Or I can get another glass of another bottle of water. But it's a different sort. It's Mount Franklin. It's like it, but it's different. Now, the word Jesus uses, I'm going to send you another paraclete, another comforter, another counsellor, another assistant, who is exactly the same as me. Same characters, same strengths, just like Jesus. The The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, and Jesus is the Son of the Father. They're so similar. And this Holy Spirit in verse 26 is the one who will teach you and who will remind you what I said. This is a huge topic, but simply in this verse, Jesus is saying when the Holy Spirit comes, he's not going to give you new and exciting revelations and new and exciting different experiences. I don't want to dismiss that totally, but what Jesus is emphasizing the Holy Spirit will take what I have said and remind you of, you, of it and teach you. He will take the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to, cha- to shape and transform the child of God. He will use Jesus' words. That's what he's saying. Jesus expects us to be listening to and learning from the Holy Spirit. I know I'm racing. Um, what I have said so far is, is if you're a follower of Jesus, a believer, he expects you to be a doer, a worker, active in his kingdom. He expects you to be a prayer. expects you to be obedient. He expects you to be responding, listening, and learning from the Holy Spirit. And fifthly, the Lord Jesus promises and offers to us as his followers peace. His peace. Verse 27 Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And don't give it as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. What's he talking about? Well, if you study the life of the Lord Jesus, you will observe that in the midst of all excuse me all sorts of turmoil all sorts of stresses in his life he was calm they would come to arrest him and take him away to to try to kill him he would calmly walk away <clears throat> where does that sense of calm and control come from it's from him having this very intimate relationship with the father this strong firm trust that my life entirely is in my heavenly father's hands nothing can happen to me i can be in a storm at the sea and i can be asleep in the boat because i'm trusting him That level of experience of inner calm, Jesus is offering to us as we follow him. It comes out of, number one, peace with God, as we repent, believe and accept Jesus. It's peace with God. But then Jesus is offering here the peace of God, that inner sense of calm and control. It's not absence of outward turmoil, it's this inner calm in the midst of it, the peace of God that comes about through prayer, Philippians 4.7, and through the Holy Spirit in your life, the gift of the Holy, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's awareness that Jesus is completely in control of what's going on. My life and times are in his hands. So if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples then and to you tonight, <clears throat> you have great assurance, but you also have great responsibilities. Jesus expects you to be a doer, a prayer. To be obedient, to be spirit-led, and to be trusting, peaceful in Him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I ask that the visions of the Lord Jesus might become realities in each of our lives. That you would meet with us and take us deeper and further on. In our relationship with him help us lord because we follow and believe in jesus help us to be active to be doers involved in the work teach us more and help us to pray for the father's glory and in jesus name help us to be fully obedient to all of jesus's commands and to have the consequence of that of great intimacy with the father and the son Lord, assist us in listening to and learning from the Spirit as he teaches us from the Word of God. And Lord, may we be the recipients and may we experience your peace. May we trust you in whatever the circumstances and situation of our life is. Lord, we ask for these blessings in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.